Welcome to the Love Over Fear podcast with your host, Caitlin Smith. In this space, I lead with vulnerability to help normalize struggles and create a safe space for others to do the same. We cannot heal what we hide, and I truly believe we are better together and that the power of community can heal. I'll be sharing with you mindset and holistic health practices to help you achieve whole body wellness. You will also get to hear from guests who are passionate about health and growth and leading in unique and authentic ways. Thank you for being a part of this community. Together, we can empower each other to let go of our fears and put more love out into the world. Hello listeners, I'm excited to announce a new offering. I'm now available to book one-on-one intuitive life coaching sessions. Even more exciting is that all our listeners can receive their first 40-minute session completely free with zero obligation. To book, please reach out to me via one of my socials, Facebook or Instagram. My link will be posted in the show notes of this episode. Welcome to the Love Over Fear podcast. Today we have a special guest. Recording with me today is Dr. Brett Davis. Brett and I met when working together at a wellness center in Prince George. Brett was so kind and welcoming when I started working there. And what I've learned as I've gotten to know him is that he is truly that way with everyone he meets. He is passionate about helping people heal and leads with empathy. Brett is a chiropractor, a father, a husband, and now the owner of Helix Health, where he helps his clients achieve inner growth and external change. I was very intrigued when I seen that Brett started this new venture, and I'm excited to dive into his personal journey with weight loss, brain fog, and mold exposure, and how this impacts the way he is showing up for his clients. Brett, thank you so much for being here with us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be joining you. I'm so excited to dive into this. So let's start with why you decided why you decided to start Helix Health alongside your work as a chiropractor. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my journey really, well, it's been a life a lifelong adventure, and um, I'm going to go back to when I was about 18 years old. Uh, I had joined the military in March of 2001. And I um, was pretty shocked when the uh, events of September 2001, 9-11 happened. And it was looking like um, anybody who had joined the National Guard was likely to get activated and uh, go over overseas for war. And that did not sit well with me because I, I had already known at that time that I was going to be uh, something along the lines, like, uh, I'll back up a little. I did a college uh, placement test and it said uh, three-way tie for doctor, preacher, and politician. So I knew that <laughs> I knew that going going to war and being put in a situation where I might have to, um, you know, take someone's life, that just it really didn't sit well with me. And uh, when I was in basic training, um, I went through everything, and wh- while they're in there, while we were in there. They were, you know, the drill sergeants were telling us to get ready to go to war because they're not going to send send you home. They're just going to send you straight out. And uh, that was, you know, I wasn't terrified, but I just knew that wasn't my life's 
path. And so when I got when I got sent home from that, I got a call from my my sergeant and he said, uh, are you in college right now? And I said, yes. And he's like, well, cancel that. I was like, OK, he said, we're getting activated. I was like, OK, and he said, we're going to Mountain Home Air Force Base. And I was like, OK, and I'm immediately thinking Afghanistan. Uh, and he's, he said, do you want to know where it is? I was like, yeah. He's like, it's in Southern Idaho. I was like, what? He's <laughs> like, yeah, we're getting activated to do air-based security in Southern Idaho. And, um, so get ready. We're, we're going to leave in about a month. And that was a pretty big relief because the idea of doing, you know, helping my country was why I joined. I, I thought, you know, I'd be fighting fires, uh, stopping floods, maybe the occasional civil unrest, uh, but definitely not going to fight a foreign war, especially one where we found out, you know, much later that there was some dubious intentions there all along. So when I, when I was in, you know, in doing security, I was really struck by a lot of things about, I was basically learning how the, the world worked and I was struck by a lot of things, but Mostly I was struck by how unhealthy people were, even in the military. And that struck me as odd because I had just come from basic training and they, they work you out like crazy and you eat, you know, just barely enough food to, to stay, you know, enough calories to burn. And, um, when I got into active duty military, everybody was not everybody, but most people were quite unhealthy. And that stood out to me that you know, the, the people who serve our country at the highest levels were actually not doing very well themselves. And a couple of years after I finished that, uh, my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, uh, you know, she, she could tell that I was a bit lost following basic training, that they had broken me down, but not really built me up afterwards. And mm -hmm. so she was kind of encouraging me, encouraged me to uh, figure out a career path. And she she's the one who brought up being a chiropractor and um, she had had a chiropractor from when she was young and he was a really cool guy, Dr. Carl. And he, um, he took on my case uh, pro bono. I like, I didn't have money, no insurance. And he just saw a kid who was kind of lost and broken and he fixed me up pretty, pretty remarkably. And so he left an impact on my, on my idea of what a chiropractor is and what they do. And he was super busy and super cheerful and super successful. And, you know, just upon a, a couple of questions from my wife, I was like, yeah, I do want to do that. And um, so I went to school and uh, it really got deconditioned, right? Like my health really suffered from sitting at a desk, you know, you know, six to eight hours a day uh, learning lecture and then another usually three to four hours of studying after that. So I went from being super fit military guy to like less muscle mass, less endurance, uh, stressed out student. And then by the end of it, the stress had really taken a toll and I started gaining weight for the first time in my life. Um, when I was in basic training, I was 169 pounds solid muscle. And by the end, I was about by the end of chiropractic school, I was about 189, but had lost muscle mass and was becoming, um, you know, getting into the phase of low energy. 
And uh, so after chiropractic school, I had a few adventures, uh, such as uh, traveling internationally to do chiropractic. Uh, my wife and I and one of our good friends went to um, to Honduras and we did uh, a chiropractic mission trip where for three months we just provided free care. And that was a really awesome growing experience where I learned, you know, confidence in what chiropractic has to offer uh, in, in the way of like pretty profound healing effects. And when I was in chiropractic school, one, one bit of chiropractic philosophy that really stood out to me was that, um, chiropractors don't heal people, people heal people. And even more specifically, the power that made the body heals the body. And that really resonated with me because, you know, I, I was raised religious, but wasn't super religious in, in that phase of my life. And what I realized is that there is something very profound about how our bodies organize themselves, you know, from a sperm and an egg and implantation and then cell division. And for some reason, everything works out. And we wind up being these amazing human beings who have the capability of even, you know, throughout life healing uh, from all sorts of damage. And so that, that sat with me pretty well. And then the other thing is that uh, the other piece of philosophy was that um, the chiropractor at, at very best can be a conduit of the healing and that healing comes from above down and from the inside out. And so those two, those two bits of philosophy really were my guiding, uh, guiding light in the dark times of, you know, growing a practice in like I, I've, finished chiropractic school in 2009. And of course there was a big economic crash in, crash in 2008. And I kind of got thrown out into the deep end and didn't really thrive. I really struggled to find, um, find my way in the world of, of big insurance and a small practice. And uh, I was trying to pull myself up by my bootstraps and it was very stressful. And it about maybe six months to a year into that, my first grandma died, the first basically, yeah, the first member of my family to die. And that hit me really hard. I had um, a lot of sadness, a lot of regrets, a lot of um, feeling of loss. And I didn't process it well. And I, I started at that time drinking too much and eating too much. And it, it was, I, I look back now and I realized it was a progression of, um, uh, habits that I got when I was in California in chiropractic school where, you know, wine flowed pretty freely and, and good food was everywhere. And it helped me when I was in stressful time to, you know, start eating and drinking. So when my grandma died, it was like, I knew just what to do, right? Like I knew how to help myself feel better. And unfortunately at about that time, the, the stress had been so much that I started to gain weight really fast so going from about 190 to over 200 pounds and I'm only five, nine. So that's, that's the, the part where you, you know, you measure yourself out and you're like, Oh man, I'm obese. Like, holy <laughs> crap, I'm an obese chiropractor. Like how do I tell people, you know, how to live healthy and when I'm not doing it myself. And at that time though, I was not self-aware enough to, to recognize what was going on. So for about three months I was eating and drinking away my pain and I, you know, I don't have shame over it now because I've done some, some work and some healing, but I, w I was ashamed that I was hiding it from my wife. And that was, 
that was the worst part of the whole thing. And, and what kind of led me to realize that I did have a problem that, you know, wasn't just, it wasn't just that I felt bad and I was doing it is that I was hiding it in order to continue doing it. And, um, one of the greatest blessings of my life, uh, I, my second grandma died and, uh, she, she was like a spiritual guide in my life. Um, she taught me about, you know, the spiritual practices of native Americans, uh, cause she lived in, uh, central Montana and I was always really taken with, um, with the ideas of being part of the circle of life and the web of knowledge and, um, that even animals have spirits and we need to respect them and be grateful when we, you know, hunt them and, 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 and just live in balance. And so when she died, I was again, really devastated and again, knew just what to do, eat and drink. But after a couple of weeks, um, of that, I had a really profound dream and I'm going to share it with you, even though it's like, a, it's, it's a really personal thing, but I think it's relevant. Um, I was, I found myself in a convenience store and it happened that my, my mom and my brother were trying to figure out how to work the till. So I was waiting in line and I was going to buy some candy and, uh, I felt this tug on my sleeve and I looked to my right and, uh, then I looked down because there was a short elderly woman, which kind of matched the description of my grandma. And she, she looked up at me and she tapped her cheek with her finger and she said, give me a kiss. And I was kind of surprised by that. So I just leaned down and gave her a little kiss. And she said, kisses are the seeds of love, plant many seeds. <laughs> and I was like, okay, like, that's kind of sweet. Like, that's really weird too. And then I went out into the parking lot to wait to be um, picked up by my wife who was driving around the parking lot. And uh, I remember when I was looking for her car to come around, I was, became ashamed of the candy that I had. And so I shoved it in my pockets to hide it. And right when I looked up from that, I saw a man and he like, he was a few you know parking lanes away and he weaved through all the cars and he walked straight up to me. And he got within inches of my face and he said that grieving is our way of honoring those that we've lost, but at some point they want us to be happy. Mm -hmm. And after that, I woke up from that, I talked to my wife that I was hiding stuff, you know, hiding, hiding my pain, hiding my, my alcohol consumption. And she said the dangest thing. She said, I knew. I was going to give you about three months before I divorced you because I knew that you needed to work it out on your own. And if I said anything, it would just make it worse. But I also wasn't going to live my life like this. And that really struck me hard because she, you know, she was my rock and my foundation, like the only good thing in my life, you know, by my perception at that time. And uh, so I decided I was going to change and I, I cut alcohol out of my life for a little while. And then, only started drinking again when I felt like I had a good relationship with it. And I cut down food. I tried dieting stuff and I tried, you know, prepackaged meal plans and I tried the keto diet and I tried just basically everything and my weight wasn't going down. And years later, I realized that uh, environment really matters when it comes to your health. And, mm -hmm. and that's both the internal environment and the external environment. So 
my internal environment was one of stress and burnout. You know, we talk about fight or flight and now we add freeze and I was in flight slash freeze all the time. And, um, my adrenal glands were burning out. My thyroid was probably being affected. My sex hormones were, uh, thrown off. And then my external environment was that, um, we had, we were living in a cheap house that, um, was what, you know, what we could afford because when you're not healthy, you you know, your business definitely suffers and, uh, it had mold and it, um, that was, that was a shockingly devastating, uh, on our, on our health, both my wife and I, and the, the way that that health, um, damage manifested is we had decided at about 32 years old that we were going to start trying to, um, have some kids and start our family. And it, wasn't happening. And we were kind of like wondering, maybe did we wait too long? Like 32 is not too old. And then 33 comes along 34, 35, 36, and we're still not pregnant. And we we had at that point, just decided like, if it's meant to be, it'll happen. We can't let it define our lives, but we were suffering infertility. And when, um, when the mold exposure this is super interesting, I've learned this later, it will basically, it kind of hijacks your nervous system at least a little bit and maybe even your endocrine system. And it will produce cravings for things that it wants you to eat because, and in this case, carbohydrates. Um, so I had started drinking again, um, not in the way that I was hiding it or anything like that, but again, to try to drink away my problems and, and, and eating again, high, high starchy food. And when I kind of reached a bit of a breaking point when I realized that my life wasn't congruent and I happened to meet up with that same chiropractor that I had gone to Honduras with at a convention in Las Vegas. And, um, she asked me like, Hey, how's chiropractic going? And I was like, actually, it really sucks. We were <laughs> eight years out of, out of, uh, school. And I was like, I'm going to quit. And I'm looking for the next thing right now. And she's like, no way. That's that blows my mind. Like you're literally the most passionate chiropractor that I've ever met. Like when we parted ways, like we both had big plans and, and we're out there to, you know, change the world for the better. I was like, yeah, well, every time I try to grow, I get inundated with paperwork because the insurance system in the U S is, you know, it's very detail oriented and arduous. And basically I got to the point where I'd, I'd grow and then I needed to hire staff. And so I'd, you know, not have enough money for that. So I'd hold myself back and it was really a destructive cycle that led me to really hate what I was doing. So she offered me a position with her in Prince George. And I was like, wait, where's Prince George? And she's like, the British Columbia. I was like, yeah, but where? And she's like, yeah, you know, like just kind of in the middle of it. I was like, oh, okay. So like close to Vancouver. And she's like, well, not really. And I was like, close to the ocean. And she's like, no, oh, not really. And like close to the mountains. She's like, yeah, kind of like we have a lot of lakes. And I was like, huh. All right. She's like, also, you should come for a visit before you Google it. I'm like, why is that? She's like, well, it's some years it's kind of the murder capital of Canada. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, what? She's like, but it's really great place to raise a family. I was like, okay, well, all right. So I checked it out and, um, 
after a little while of like talking it out and, and trying to figure things out, I decided to move to Canada and that was the best decision of my life. Um, it got me out of the house, the, the mold house, and it got me into the wellness center um, that, that where we met. And the people there were really supportive. And when we talked about our struggles with um, fertility, they just had all sorts of help. And so we, we started down the path. And um, one thing that we realized is we needed to do some detoxing. And as soon as I started that, my, my system like went into a bad place. Like I was, I was super toxic. And, and then again, I realized later that my body was so toxic from the mold and, and the drinking and uh, the food that it was storing. Basically, I was harboring liquid in order to offset the, the extreme concentrations of my toxic load. And so as I worked out or detoxed in general, my body was having to, to process out like basically years of toxicity. And as I, I talked with a naturopath about what was going on, she was like, huh, have you ever lived in a house that had mold? And I was like, well, yeah, the house that I just lived in had mold. She's like, what color was it? And I was like, oh, most of it was black. And she was like, yeah, so that's super toxic and affects fertility. I was blown away, um, which, you know, again, it's more common knowledge now that mold is horrible for us. And um, so we started a mold detox program and um, wait a second. No, go back. After six months of working with the naturopath, we were able to conceive. So six months after moving to Canada and getting out of the environment and just straightening up a few things, my wife got pregnant and uh, I was so excited and so terrified because I realized that all these things in my life that were out of balance, I, um, I always thought that becoming a dad would be like the, the inflection point where everything would just change for me. And then I, I just realized like, oh, you got a lot of work to do, man. And so I, I kept at it. And then, then I learned about the mold. And so I started doing detox stuff with, from mold and it, I started losing some weight, but again, alcohol crept back up as, you know, a factor in my coping. And, uh, so as I got more stressed about the baby coming, I, you know, drank more. And at this point it was kind of like, oh, I'll have one or two on a weekend. And it was like, oh, well, I'll have one, you know, in the evening when I go home from work. And then it's like, oh, well that one felt good. So I'll have two. And so I was going, I was doing the low grade every day type of thing. And, uh, so my wife gave birth and I had a little bit of time off work and this was a uh, end of 2019 at this point. And I had this realization that nothing was changing. Like I wasn't like, there was no magic switch that got flipped. I still had all my trauma that I was trying to deal with in all the wrong ways. And, you know, it's, it's weird saying this, but getting shut down for the COVID-19 pandemic for, you know, getting closed down in my chiropractic practice uh, was a huge blessing. And it was during that time. So March of uh, 2020 that I realized that if I wanted to change and I wanted to be a good example for my son and I wanted to teach him, you know, like just how to not be subject to all the crap, you know, like 
I figured like, yeah, I'm probably going to mess up my kid at least a little bit, but if I can give him the tools to, to deal with it and to process it and to not hide it and cover it up, then maybe he'd have a chance at, you know, being happier in life than I was finding myself. So that's when I just decided that, that I was just done with alcohol. I didn't, I didn't need it anymore and I was not going to have it. And, you know, since then I can count how many, how many beers I've had. And it's basically four in the last three and a half years. And that commitment to being a good example for my son is what really led me to opening up uh, Helix Health. And it was congruent with me in a lot of ways because I, I love helping people. Like you mentioned, like I truly connect at a deep level. I, I'm a very empathetic person, so I can basically feel people's emotional states without them saying much. And, and I, was, I was good at it. You know, I was good in chiropractic one-on-one -on -one setting. But what I realized is that there is a whole world of people who are hurting and they're covering it up with food and alcohol and, and you know, being unkind to themselves and being unkind to others. And that if I wanted the world to, to really be a better place you know, not just for myself, not just for the other people, but for my, my son, I was going to have to reach more people, you know, one-on-one -on -one is great. And I think at that point I had seen, you know, something like 15,000 patients or maybe, maybe a little bit more. So I really, I had spread an impact, but I, I realized during the pandemic that things could get shut down and I would, could become absolutely powerless to help people. And that, did not sit well with my ideas of wake, making the world a better place for my son to live in. So I started searching and I was led to a, a mentorship program that teaches something called a metabolic reset. And uh, I signed up for it because it, it, it made sense, you know, as a way to, to work with uh, like in group, group setting. So you can do a, instead of one-on-one, -on -one, a one-on-many. And after I got started, they kind of, threw it out there like, Hey, like, just so you know, the first bit of the program is you doing the metabolic reset. Like we're going to run you through the program. I was like, Oh man, like I didn't know I signed up for that. <laughs> <laughs> so during that time, they kind of like, they help you realize like really laser focused, like what you're eating, what you're drinking, when you're going to bed, when you're waking up, how you feel during the time, teach you things to measure it, uh, measuring how much water you drink, uh, activity levels and like all this stuff. And so it's a metabolic and lifestyle reset. And the thing that made me really excited about it was, um, with the metabolic reset, the, the kind of the point of it is to get out of the yo-yoing of weight loss fads and, you know, yo-yo dieting and weight gain, weight loss, which I had experienced, uh, during those, you know, the previous times I tried to lose weight and, um, so the idea is you reset your metabolism to a lower set point. Cause I had kind of seen like, I would bounce around like 205, 203, 208, 205. And, um, I couldn't seem to lose much, but I didn't really gain much just living my life. So the, the reset lowered my, you know, my body fat down by a lot, got me out of my stressed out zone and into a, more of that parasympathetic dominance where I was resting and digesting and healing. And then we reset it. So during the latter phase of the program, 
you know, they just like, okay, start introducing the foods that you were taking out. And all of a sudden I could, um, stay about 189 and that's still 20 pounds heavier than when I was in the military, but that was like a huge improvement. My energy was up. My patients started asking me like what I was doing, like why I was so happy all the time and how, how I lost so much weight and, uh, gain clarity. And so now I have an opportunity to offer that to anybody in the world and guide them on a, you know, one to many, um, type of situation. And I find it very satisfying and very fulfilling to, you know, that, and that's why I, part of, partly why I put my tagline is facilitating interchange to lead to external or inner inner growth to lead to external change. Uh, because I realized that my physical, you know, the manifestation of my physical health was actually an inside job. And when I did the work to clean that up, then all of a sudden everything in my life started to align. Brett, thank you so much for being so vulnerable and answering that question. Yeah. I, I started this podcast um, really, truly. It was just a calling to be vulnerable myself. And I, I felt like that would open up a world where um, people would feel safe to do it um, themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, because I really feel that you can't heal what you hide. Yeah, so true. And, yeah. And what I... Oh, so like emotional for me too, hearing your story. And I, um, there's a lot of synchronicities in my own journey. Yeah. Yeah. And I've noticed too, like over the last nine months, um, I started working with a coach and for the first time learning how to feel my emotions without, um, without, using a vice, like you talked about alcohol and food. Um, there's so many things for myself. I would check out, like I would get really nervous and anxious and I would just shut people out. And, and you don't really, I didn't really even realize that I was doing it, but now I am. And Yeah. yeah, it's so important to, allow those emotions to come in and move through you. And um, when I started to do that, it was really hard at first. It's almost like things got a lot harder because all that suppressed emotion was there. And um, yeah. yeah, and similar to you, I'm sure like as I worked on that, I started to see positive impacts on my physical health too and realize yeah. how important that is. Yeah, and in listening to your... It is. And listening to your story, it sounds like that was the missing piece for you. You had to learn to feel through those emotions in a healthy way. Yeah. 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 I, One thing like, you, like, you know what I look like. I have that fiery, I'm, I'm a redhead, right? And I grew up in the time when um, it wasn't cool to be a ginger, you know, like <laughs> Facebook wasn't around to be like, you know, here's 10 things that are awesome about gingers and international kiss a ginger day. And like, <laughs> I was the redheaded stepchild and, you know, like all the, the mean things that people would say, and I didn't understand it, but also like I did have a fiery streak. Like I was quick to anger and mm-hmm. um, I grew up in a big family. And at a certain point, my parents just weren't going to have any more of that. And so pretty quickly, the punishments accelerated and I just learned to shut down and shove it in. And uh, so and part of my healing journey was actually to learn how to feel anger again and and to properly process that. 
uh, let alone like the the pain, like the more pain based emotions, like uh, you know, grief and and loss. And um, I do want to like kind of share one more thing. Um, my final grandfather uh, died just about ten days ago, and uh, it was it was tragic in its way and it was expected in its way. And the thing that for me personally that I was able to recognize is that I was capable of feeling and I was also capable of enduring it. And I didn't try at all to hide it or cover it up or not talk about it, shove it in, drink it away, eat it away. And um, during that process, I, I had this realization and it was that you can't, you can't numb your pain without simultaneously numbing your joy. Mm -hmm. I saw you post that on your Facebook and yeah. I, I love it. My mind immediately went to like antidepressants. Yeah. You can't use like a medication to, yeah. um, you know, anxiety or depression without numbing your joy. And yeah. I know there's this misconception that these like sadness, grief, that those are negative, like they're bad emotions. Right. Right. They're just part of the human experience, right? Like yep. if you can feel the bad emotions, you can feel the good ones. And yep. wow, I just want to commend you for that growth. Like how this Thanks. time when you were struck with tragedy, yeah. you were able to move through it. And what an amazing example you're setting for your kids. And thank you. Yeah. That, that means a lot. Yeah. Your work is so important. And Ooh, to go back, because we that question was very um, detailed in the way you yeah. answered it. Yeah. There's just so many things I could go back to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, it sounded like everything unfolded just in this perfect way to get you to where you are today, which is what we see so often. I believe everything happens for a reason. Yeah. Um, like your wife came into your life at the same time and, you know, awesome on her to be able to see that in you let you not step in and um you know interrupt your process let you come to terms with it's time for you to make a change mm -hmm. and very patiently waited for you to do that that's amazing that's just a testament to how um great of a relationship you guys have yeah I, I'm surprised because, you know, I was in your office like every week getting adjusted. <laughs> I had no idea that you're going through all that. And yeah. I always found you to be just, and I still believe you are just so emotionally intelligent and caring. And I always felt safe in your office. Like, you know, I was there for an adjustment, but we'd always talk about some sort of struggle I was going through. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I think that that makes you so perfect for this work that you're doing. And I have no doubt that you're going to help so many people. Thank you. I'm sure you've probably um, some of your chiropractic clients have done your coaching as well. Have you? Yeah. yeah? Yep. Have you noticed their pain levels and their need for adjustment go down as they do your program? Oh, definitely. So the the first group was hand selected, uh, 10 people and they lost an average of 28 pounds, men and women, mostly between 35 and 60, uh, average of 28 pounds. So there was less pressure on their joints for sure. 
but also inflammation way lower. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would even say like a shine in their eye, like a, you know, yes, that, that hint yes. of life and, and joy. Uh, pretty much all of them had to buy new clothes, which they were really proud to show off, you know, like, look, I lost two pant sizes, you know, like you made me buy a whole new wardrobe. I'm like, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. They, um, yeah. Sleep improved. Oh, the one, the one super, the super rock star, he was, uh, I think 290 pounds and his goal was to lose 90 he lost 45 in the 10 weeks. And then the thing that was also crazy is his, he monitored his blood pressure almost every day. And we watched it go from 155 down to like, I think 121 by the end of it. So it was, it was pretty, pretty awesome to see how much just changing your food, sleep, and kind of like, I would even say your perception of stressors. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much that had a profound effect on his life. Uh, he had done the program with his wife and they kind of, uh, they wanted to, they, they actually stated that their goal was to be the very best uh, clients that I'll ever have. And like, <laughs> I think in a lot of ways they were like, they followed everything to the book or, you know, to the T. And um, there was one other guys who his, his thing that really stood out to me is he said that, his wife looked at him and uh, she said, honey, uh, how much do you weigh? And he was like, you know, like 190 something and told her. And she's like, uh, that's less than you weighed when we got married 22 years ago. Mm-hmm. And so he's really experiencing the best health of his life right now. And it's quite an honor to be part of that. Oh, absolutely. That's so awesome. I feel like you're empowering people to take their health into their own hands and changing their life. I am, I want to ask you, how do you feel you show up now as a father and a husband compared to before now that your health has transformed? (laughs) That's a really good question. Um, I'm going to link that answer back to something that you said just a minute ago. Um, when you when you said uh, that I was really caring and empathetic when you would come into my office and we'd we'd work on not just your body but the other things, um, the reason why why you didn't know is because I was so good at like acting on the value that I had for helping others. But what I realized just this year as I was going through some more healing was that I wasn't extending that kindness and that courtesy to myself. And I I had a, you know, I had a coach specifically for emotional healing and she asked me a question after like maybe our second question or second session. And she said, how, on a scale of one to 10, how much do you love yourself? And that's a really hard question to answer because part of me was, was low number. Like I said, like a four. And then I stopped and I was like, wait a second, I love myself. Like my body is healthy. I'm doing good in the world. I think it's a seven. And then it struck me. I was putting conditions on loving myself. That if I was acting a certain way, if I was producing a certain amount of money, if I was making other people around me happy enough, then I was lovable. And so when I healed from that, in combination with the the other types of healing, it really unlocked a lot of of um, 
a lot of vulnerability, a lot of self-acceptance. Um, I put my self-love at a nine or a 10 now um, because I just have been shocked at how much I've been able to grow since, since coming to that realization. And one, like I said earlier, one of the most important things is I wanted to be able to minimize the damage that, you know, generational trauma, it's a thing, right? Like I had my great, great grandpa, he was in the military and he was an alcoholic and he beat his son. And my great grandpa was in the military and an alcoholic and he just kind of hit his son. And my grandpa never drank, was never in the military, but he would choke my dad when he was so frustrated at him. And my dad was never in the military, never drank, and only spanked me out of righteous anger until I was, you know, <laughs> until I was about eight, and then realized that there was a different path. And he started talking to me about things and started, you know, teaching me instead of, you know, forcing me. And, you know, now with my son, like he's he's seen me drink like the three drinks in my life, uh, you know, in his life. And I've never hit him. And I talk to him gently and intuitively. And, you know, my second son is about three months old. And we spend time just looking into, into each other's eyes. And I don't feel any shame or doubt about me bringing my, you know, best side of myself forward. And, you know, I would say, that my relationship with my wife is better than ever. And even though it's, it is the hardest time of our lives, like nobody ever told me that your second kid is a million times harder than, you know, having two is a million times harder than one. <laughs> and, and while we should be struggling, we're really not. And we're, we're growing closer together in spite of the stresses. And, and, um, you know, I think a lot of mothers, they want to see their, their husbands be fathers and she sees me. You know, and she knows that I'm, I'm, you know, like I won't even say I'm, I'm done being an awesome dad, but I'm in the process of being an awesome dad. And I, I can't wait for the years to come. And honestly, that led me to become a little bit more focused in my approach to health. So now, like I work with anybody, but I'm a longevity and health coach for 30 to 50 year old dads who want to be a shining example of health to their kids and they want to be there for it. You know, like they, they, there's a lot of dads who are in my situation where they're having their first kids in their thirties and they're getting hit with the realization that their bodies can't keep up with their kids. And so, you know, for me, I, I, feel blessed that I was able to turn my attention to these various areas of healings when my kids were young, because I'm, I'm 40 and I'll run after my kid and chase and we'll wrestle and I'll roll on the ground and my knees don't hurt. And I don't feel winded when I, you know, when I chase him around the yard and if we have to duck low and run, like I'm, I can go, you know, under the deck after him, you know, things where, <laughs> where my dad was at 40, you know, he was in rough shape. And so, yeah, kind of a long answer there, I guess, but it's been, it's been a blessing to, to be able to show up and be fully present from, from my family. And that's really where my passion lies now is like helping other dads experience the same joy. 
That's amazing. It sounds like you really have a mission to help dads be the best they can. And I hope everyone listening can see that um, getting healthy, losing weight goes so much farther than that. And it really, it can be as powerful as healing generational trauma and teaching your kids how to be better. Because I believe that we can only love others at the capacity that we can love ourselves. Totally. Yeah. And it's so important to love yourself and it's a lot harder than it, it sounds and it can take a lot of work to get there. That's so true. Oh, this conversation has been just amazing. I'm so thankful that I we got in contact and we made this happen. Yeah. Brett, can you just let the listeners know the best way to get a hold of you if they want to work with you, what they should what they should do? Yeah. The the best way to reach out would probably be through Instagram. Uh, I have some links in my bio, how you can like get to my website and, or book a discovery call. Uh, it's Dr. Davis DC. And then I'm also going to be um, reaching my target audience through TikTok at uh, Doc Davis DC as well. So you know, you can uh, access my content through there and then there's going to be links to, to reach out directly. Amazing. And I'm going to put all those links in the show notes too. So they'll be awesome. easy to find. Awesome. Perfect. Thank you so much. It's a real pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If it's something that felt aligned with you, please reach out and share it on your socials and help us put more love out into the world. Thank you. Love always. Your host, Caitlin.